Hello, this is Melissa Hale Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise, with really a huge surprise. Compliments of Dennis Sullivan, our beloved Field Notes writer, who has enticed his cousin, Tim O'Shea, who is from Ireland, from County Kerry, and is a musician touring the United States, and he has made time to come talk to us, so thank you. Thank you for having us. I would just love to start by hearing about how you came to music. How how did you become? Oh God! <laughs> how did you become a musician? I don't. I think it was more a question of not escaping it. It was impossible to escape it. How I didn't how so? come to it. I mean, Dennis will vouch for that. Uh, it's just there. Every, I mean, it was in your family, both in sides, your community. Yeah. Yeah, both, everywhere. Both? Like, so tell us about your family. Who who sings or does what? In, well, on my father's side, which is the Dennis uh, relation, uh-huh. uh, my grandmother, who you would have known, uh, alongside of having 13 children, she played the concertina, which is like a small accordion. And, and she played it with a smile. And That's what I remember. Well, having 13 children alone would yeah. be, make it hard to have time for anything, but let alone she, she music. she loved it. And it was always in the old houses. It was above the fireplace where they kept the tea and the sugar and the salt. Everything that had to be kept dry was, was kept there. I all remember the, distinctly her, her putting it on the mantelpiece. All the important things. And nobody would else touch it. Oh, my gosh. So... So from no, that's true. That's not made up. The sounds made up, but it's no, true. No, it does. It sounds wonderful. Yeah. So from a very young age, you were exposed to music, and, and my father and all her children played. And yeah. they and all sang. played the concertina. No, they, they they the men. Do you see the concertina was the, a female? It's not cool to say it now, but it was the woman's accordion okay. as such. All right, because it was more compact and easier to play physically. But the, the so the, what did the men play? They played the button accordion, which is one note in, one note out. But it's a bigger machine and, and, and more more physical to play it, shall we say. And did you master that as I, well? I ran from that because <laughs> it was a loud, dangerous thing. So I said, I'm not playing that. <laughs> no. But Everybody in Ireland plays what we call the tin whistle or the penny whistle. Okay. Every school kid in Ireland gets one of those, whether you like it or not. And did you like it? I did, but I didn't like the teaching of it. You because know. you just had absorbed music through your family without having to be formally taught, or yeah, it's a bit of both, you know, a bit yeah. of both. But that seemed like work with paper and writing out stuff. So, do you play entirely by ear? I do, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow, yeah. And when did you come to play the guitar? That's the instrument you used. That was the rebellious teens, I guess. <laughs> yeah, first it was a drum kit and a bass guitar, but they were quite loud, so yeah. the guitar was mobile, and and it was a big hit with the ladies. And is it still? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I don't know. So at what point in your life did you start taking to the road and touring and That was a mistake as music? well. Yeah. That happened as well. I didn't make that happen. It happened. But what caused it? There well, must we, have do, been a we do live in an island. That's the first and foremost. Okay. So you must remember that. So if you put too many feet going west or east, you end up in water. So when you run out of road, you have to get on a boat or a plane and see what's on the other side. And what was your first leaving the country to share your music tour? Where was it to? That's a good question. Wow. I have never been asked that question. Oh, That's well. a very good question. Oh, oh, I'd have to think about that okay. one. That's a good question now. 
But I mean, you do you've done this continuously for decades now, right? Yeah, yeah. How how old are you? I'm very old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look quite youthful for being very old. Yeah. But what uh, I started doing it professionally in 95. 95. I went around the world. I started in London. I ended up in London, but I took in a lot of places in between. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I took my trusty instruments with me and everywhere I went, I, I was never threatened, robbed or cajoled into anything. But to see the world as a musician, tell us about that. What is that like? Well, I suppose that was before the internet, about 25 yeah. years ago. Right. And it was just uh, going, you know, where I wanted to go, just go. And uh, you meet people. It's it's. Uh, did you have a favorite place that you performed? There were so many places. What I did like was Fiji is an interesting place. The people there are quite interesting. Tell us about Fiji. They're Melanesian. Yeah. Which to to to, to the untrained eye would be African looking people, uh-huh. as distinct from Polynesian, which would be the Samoans and the Tongans and all them big lads. You don't mess with them. And then they have the Micronesians, which would be the what we would say Asian. But they're Melanesian and they're quite interesting. But then back in the bad old days when the British were running the planet, they brought over the Indians, Indians from India. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's you have Melanesian and Indian. So they call them Fijian Indians. So on this tour, did you play exclusively Irish music? Oh, I think so, yeah. yeah. But they love any music. Most specific people love music. The Polynesians can't get enough of it, especially singing. But I, what I had been picturing until this very moment or five minutes ago was that you would be playing largely to people who had come from Ireland or their ancestors had. And, you know, because around here we have a lot of festivals where people gather to hear Irish music and they have Irish oh, ancestors. Yeah. But here you are in Fiji. I mean, are they people that are even familiar with Irish I put it, music? I put it like this to you. Probably not. But they're <laughs> I- island people for a start. So yeah. we have that in common. The other thing, they love music. And it's like a ball game. No matter what size or shape the ball is, it's a ball game. It doesn't matter. I like that. So, you know, music so if it's a is football or a baseball or a golf ball, it's a, the thrill <clears throat> of the hunt. Yeah. But with music, it doesn't matter what language or what it sounds like. If it's folk music, it's folk music. And people are drawn to it. The advantage of Irish folk music, I would say, this is just my home, own humble opinion, is that uh, aside from all the other folk music, which are basically call and response and rhythmically driven from below, mm-hmm. ours is driven from above. It's a melodic, a rich melodic tradition. So any accompaniment or drumming or any other kind of thing isn't necessary. It enhances it, but it doesn't come from there. So it can be just voice. It can yeah. be entirely... So melodically, it stands out, I would say, in terms of complexity and construction. Out of all the folk musics of the world, that's what seems to what, what you hear about what attracts people to it. Huh. You know, it's a complex melodic uh, construction. So... I'm just trying to grasp this idea that since 1995, you how how many how how much of the time are you home in Ireland? Oh, most of the time, much? about about eight months, because we have uh, a very strong uh, tourism. It's the main industry in Ireland is tourism. Yes, and luckily for us, the the Irish pub or the Irish music there 
entwined and ingrained in India in part of that attraction is what brings people to Ireland as well as the scenery and the people this is what we're told so even when you're performing at home you're performing for foreigners a lot of times most of the time but they're always uh, tuned into it you know yeah you know and uh, that's where you learn about it and you shape it you know as well you're informed a lot of these people are informed about it of course the great thing Riverdance has done wonders oh that was our renaissance yeah. You know, and that's quite recent, but I mean, the chieftains before that. But the, the river dance has opened the whole world, no matter what creed or color you are. Everyone's are the river dance, I would say, at this stage. I would say you're So right. you take it from there out. And I mean, the, the explosive excitement that that offers, and that transcends, you know, and has its roots in what we do. Do you do dancing too? No, no, no I wasn't gifted <laughs> with the dance uh, gene, I'm afraid. Well, so how do you decide what it is you're going to play? Um, do you change it up on different tours or depending on the audience? Or Oh, you would do, yeah. I mean, for instance, <laughs> the Americans have everything. What, what have, do you mean? They, they hear everything. I mean, in, in, I'm, sure, I'm sure in this town or the next town you could hear a Mongolian throat singing duet. Or, or some kind of Georgian from Georgia, Russia, monk, uh, Gregorian chant, or you could hear some guys from Bali or a couple of lads from Tralee. Just because... On, on any one night. It's so diverse here yeah. to begin with, I so see. So that has a plus and minus. The plus is that people are attuned to other customs and folk traditions. That's the plus. The minus is they probably can't differentiate. They which can't may not tell be one a from another. It, it, it all sounds, you know, similar to lots of the un, untrained ear. But I would say that there's a critical mass of people because folk music is a minority music, let's be honest. So there is enough people. Where we're sitting now, there's probably two million people or more in a 50-mile radius. If we got point zero 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 one percent of those in, into a room, like we will in Voriesville tonight, we're happy with that. Yes, he's playing at the Voorheesville Public Library tonight. So um, what is your ideal audience then? Do you like a small group that you feel you're engaged with or do you prefer a large crowd that has energy coming at you? I think anyone that's interested in listening is is always a good thing. And participating, don't forget, an audience doesn't just listen, they participate. And listening is participation. But when they clap and cheer and jump around, as long as they don't throw rocks, bottles, chains, cans, <laughs> yeah. you're good. Well, so many of us now listen to music that's recorded, you know, that's it's on an iPod yeah. and something. And tell us, like, why it's important to have this live music. It's I think I think you 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 know that yourself, that uh, the recorded process, and this girl here is doing a fantastic rose, is her name? Yes, She's on the buttons rose. here, and she's very nimble. <laughs> wow, look at those fingers. And she's very nimble and she's reading dials and numbers. That's one aspect. And even the small little boxes that we're talking into Mm -hmm. right now is a tremendous advantage to the likes of us. But, of course, it is a tool. And you can distill what you have. But the essence of we're human beings, you know, what transcends through the air and through emotions and whatever, there's no replacing that. Otherwise, we're not human beings anymore. Sure, we're not. So you're a philosopher as well as a well, musician. Well, it's all philosophy, isn't it, Dennis? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, I was watching on the plane coming over here, uh, you know, the the Lady Gaga and uh, uh, Bradley Cooper one. You know oh, that movie? I haven't seen it, but I think but I know. There was one great line in it. There's yeah. lots of great lines, but one stood out is that you have to have something to say 
and you have to have somebody to say it to, but it has to be relevant to the people you're saying it to. And that's eternal. That's always been the case. Despite iPods and iPhones and whatever. Right. And it doesn't matter if you have letters before your name, letters in your name are the ones I'll get, hopefully, RIP when I'm gone. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter or what color or creed or what, who you are. There's a transmission there. You're either open to receive or you're not. So hopefully if we can broadcast that message out and we use whatever skills or emotive content we have in our bones and people get it. Well, I liked your idea when you were talking about it as a minority sort of music. It is a minority music. Of the folk, it you is, know. Yeah. It's a vernacular, and yeah. It is. So what... What does that say about your particular... Do you focus on music that comes specifically from County Kerry? Oh, no, no, no. No? So no, no. How, how did you learn your repertoire? Where, where, what parts of your country oh, well, does we it... did we did grow up with its surroundings, so that was os- osmotically infused into our, every part of our being. But then, of course, you know, we, we, we all our neighbours, everyone on the island and the neighbouring island, our, our friends across the... The Little Sea, the Celtic Sea, as they call it. There's lots of distillations there and commonalities. And the more we uncover the collections, the more commonalities there are. It's all coming from the same place. We look the same. We almost speak the same. So does it embody the history as well? Yes, of course. That's, that is the, the storytelling element is vital. And yeah. I know you brought with you two of your instruments, and I'm hoping yeah. you can give us a little sample of some of the things you do and kind of talk about it. Absolutely. I looked up that drum, and I can't even say the name. So could you tell us what it, what it is and the history of the, the drum that you play? Oh, the drum? Yeah. yeah. The drum is, uh, and Rose had it here, and, and she's very astute. Like These young ones, you couldn't be up to them. But she had it. You hearing that, listeners? Wake up! <laughs> Time to get up! It does make you want to move to the beach. Actually, beats. I, I kind of I found out this thing recently, I'm, and, and, and I'm someone who um, arrives at a, a realisation much later than most people because there's a bit of sifting and levels to be ascertained. And one of them is, I figure nobody walks away from drums, ever. It's right. just a heartbeat. You're drawn to it. So it is. It's in the distance. True, yeah. Or nearby or next door, unless it's four o'clock in the morning and the guys said, you know, a couple of guys. Well, no, I think but there's been pieces written yeah. about how they used to recruit soldiers because Absolutely, they'd have this yeah. drum beat yeah. and they'd just fall along behind, yeah. and the next thing they knew, they were <laughs> enlisted. There it, you go, it yeah, does. It, it, it's part of it. And actually, this one, seeing you've touched on that, it was the original function was uh, for ritual purposes. It's called Bauran, B O D H R A. With a grab accent, French yeah. or accent. Bauron. Yeah, okay. The, the I didn't know how to a. say that. Bauron. 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 Okay. And uh, it means the maker of deadness, de- deafness, or the, the dull sounding. And it's just, a, it's just a skin. And actually, in Ireland, we're the only ones on the entire European continent that play it. The nearest guys to play anything like it are the uh, North African lads. But that's a whole other story. But isn't that another story? It How interesting story, yeah. on a different continent, a very similar kind of drum. Yeah, because of the seaway was the highway that back then. Oh, my goodness. I'm talking not before last Tuesday, well before last Tuesday. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. But uh, this drum anyway, but the ritual aspect of it, it still survives in Ireland today. Long before St. Patrick, God be good to him, came around or any of the other fellas with beards and dreadlocks. Uh, 
the, we have this tradition still alive uh, two times in the year. And it mirrors other traditions like the Spanish and South American stuff. Uh, at, on uh, the day after Christmas, we call it St. Stephen's Day. You've heard of that? I have. Yeah. Or the English call it Boxing Day. But that's another story. <laughs> but we call it St. Stephen's Day because there's a, in the fables and all the ancient stories, St. Uh, Stephen was, well, that was the Christianization of Wren's Day. The Wren, do you know what a Wren is? It's the smallest bird in Europe. He's tiny, smaller than a robin, but your robins are bigger than ours. But we won't get into that. Okay. <laughs> but the Wren, anyway, anyway, the, the, the Wren was the king of the birds because they had a competition. Who could fly the highest, the longest? And, of course, they were all flying, and the swans, the big ones, went down, and the Brent geese and all them, they all went down. But the eagle was there soaring, and he was made sure there was nobody below him. But just when he was getting tired, there was a wren sitting on his neck, and then he went... <laughs> And he and and of course the, le- the eagle had known nothing left in the tank, but he hitched a ride, so he was he could stay there wherever. So, so the wren is the king of the birds. The I never knew birds, this, and it's Europe, because yeah. of his cleverness, his he cleverness was and his ingenuity to, and his yeah. size, oh, wow. he outwitted the the great eagle, golden eagle, would it would have been. But uh, anyway, all the birds and animals saw that, and they said, "Oh, that's the king of the birds." So whenever uh, a wren died, he got a king's burial, and along with that, that tradition, then there was parading. And it was one of the times in the year you could masquerade yourself and be whoever you wanted. And the drum was central to that. So there would be a parade with a drum and yeah. people wearing just various costumes. And, uh, and the deceased felt- wren on a stick, usually. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. No, they don't do that. They just have the party without the wren. <laughs> and uh, they collect for charity. That's what they do. So that's St. Stephen's Day, which is Wren's Day. And and the three parts of Ireland where that survives is in Kerry and Cork. We call it the, the Biddies or the Wren Boys. And the Biddies, I'll get to that in a minute. The, on the East Coast, Watford, Wexford, they call it the uh, the Mummers. Mummers. And there's a connection to England, north of England there. And then in Northern Ireland, across the six counties near Belfast, they call it the Rhymers. Because they have a specific set of rhymes that they still use today. But it's all on the same tradition. The other big day then, of course, if you map the Celtic and the Christian calendars, they overlap. On February the 1st in, in Ireland, that's uh, spring, first day of spring. So we celebrate that and it's become St. Bridget's Day, which I believe is one of the few female saints, certainly the first one. She was hanging around when St. Patrick was around, not too long after he took off. She kind of took over the scene there. But... Uh, St. Bridget's Day, and then we that's the same tradition, we do it again, minus the rain on that one. So we call it the Biddies. You were going to say more about the Biddies. Yeah, the Biddies. The I same think of Biddies is biddy. old ladies. What are yeah, Biddies? Yeah, Biddies is an old lady or okay. an, a, a slang for Bridget. Okay. Yeah, so they just call it Biddies. So they do that, and uh, that tradition still exists. So it, the whole idea of masquerading and being whoever you are and going crazy within the laws of the land, of course. That, that whole thing. But the drum is central to that. And of course, after that tradition, then as a war instrument, there was bigger ones, 20 inch ones. Today, it's like 14, 14 and a half inch ones, maybe 16. But the big one, uh, they were used for, for battle with the war pipes, which are the big noisy bagpipes. You know mm-hmm. those ones? I do. They were actually invented in Ireland, but we gave them to the Scottish <laughs> as a joke, but they haven't <laughs> figured it out yet. Sorry, guys. <laughs> 
I'll just play the sound of this one. You might like to hear it. Uh, originally, it was played with the hand. gives you a very tribal. So it's goat skin. Uh, goats, are, he sacrificed his pelt for this. You know. So that's skin against skin. So it's very tribal. But of course, we got very fancy and we, we invented sticks or beaters, tippers or kippings. Kipping is the Gaelic for a small stick. And then that allows you to do a lot of other... That is remarkable that you can yeah. get that variety of sounds oh, you from can, that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah gosh. I was playing one night in Killarney, in a place, Killarney, where I'm from, playing in a place, and this old man passed the door with sticks. He had walking canes. And uh, he stopped, and he came back in the door, and his wife or his the other woman or whoever she was that was with him <laughs> came in, and we got a seat for him, and he sat down, and he was really enjoying the drum, you know? And so after the gig was over... He comes up to me and he had two hearing aids and he goes, uh, hello, he says. I said, hello. And he said, I really enjoyed that drum, you know. And he was from San Francisco. I don't know if that's a San Franciscan accent, but anyway. <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> for the purpose of usage here today, we'll just go with that. He goes, uh, oh, I love that drum. All those sounds you could get out of there with just a small drum. Do you know who I am? And I says, not a clue. Do you know? And then I said, do you know who I am? And he said, no, you're the guy who plays the drum. And then he goes, uh, Oh, he says, I played the timpani in the San Francisco Orchestra for 44 years, he said. He said, if I knew that drum was around, I wouldn't have played those goddamn things, he says. <laughs> so, you know. Is this a true story? Oh, it's a true story, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Would I lie to you? I don't know. No, that's a true story, yeah. He, I don't know if you know anything about timpani, but the kettle drums, they're right, massive. The, yeah. And they're foot pedals, and you're continuously tuning them. And they're very demanding instruments. And, if, and he said... You know, with this thing, if he knew that was wrong, he would never play those. <laughs> That's a great story. Yeah. That's yeah. a great story. So do you, when you perform, do you, is this like just the drum or is it part of an ensemble or is it something that goes with some kind of, as you said, there were rhymes that sometimes were used? Or oh, a bit some? of everything. Yeah, It's flexible. You know, most traditional music is a solo and the ensembles came later, but you can make it work, you know. Because most of the melodic content of the Irish music is a high-pitched sound on fiddles or flutes or what else, or the other instruments. As far as I understand, there's 18, Irish, 18 instruments used in Irish music. I know some have been ad- adaptations from other cultures. Yeah. And there's three unique Irish instruments. And the, they are the harp, I know that. The harp is our national symbol. That's very unique uh-huh. in structure and sound. And that's been there for thousands of years. And then you have the drum here, the Bowron. That's our national drum. Nobody else has that or plays like uh, us. And then the third one is the uh, Ilin pipe. The, it's a bagpipe pumped with the elbow. And can you say the name again? Ilian. 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 Oh, Ilian. Ilian. Ilian pipe, yeah. Okay. But I was playing in India a couple of years ago with an Irish charity and we did this concert in Calcutta and they had an eight-piece Indian they call it classical, but I would call it folk because they're playing folk instruments, but it's highly structured. And they had a lot of singers and 47-piece choir and the two of us, uh, myself and an Irish singer. And uh, we had a great night. It was a whole story. I won't go into because I don't think we have the time, but 
But the guys, the Indian musicians were amazed by the Irish drum. They never saw anything or heard anything like it. And you you think that would be drum central Indians, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm just fascinated with just the... You'd think of it as clashing cultures when you mention Calcutta and yeah. Irish music, but yet here you find this common ground with other musicians. Oh, there, well, no, we weren't playing with them. That would be impossible. Okay. Because their meter and their scales are completely different. All Eastern is completely different. They were Western. just listening to it. And well, we had inserts. There was an Irish involvement. It's a big, long story. But anyway, there was an Irish nun involved in the story. And that's who we were representing. And they were retelling the story. Essentially, this one of the Vivekananda, he's one of the gurus, his philosophies were very complex for the ordinary people to absorb because you must remember the literacy rate in India today and back then. But uh, Tagore, who would be the, you've heard of him, Dennis there's nodding. Thank you, Dennis, that makes me feel really good. But uh, he'd be the WB8s or the Thackeray or something of, of India and he distilled the philosophies into poems and suddenly it took off in the common mind these f- complex philosophies and our job was to make music with with the with the woman the female singer who's a phenomenal singer Shan Shanterbali was her name look her up uh, and she made songs of the poems so there's a three stage thing oh my gosh but it was well, a whole religious can thing can you say the name of the poet again that's what I want to look Tagore. up Tagore Tagore T-A-G-O-R-E yeah but so anyway that that was the whole thing but we we were just doing the, an Irish representation of of the Irish nuns. Sort of, we were just putting her in the picture, and there was a narration. We were there for hours, like, and there was a whole religious ceremony before that. That went on for two and a half hours, and we were behind the curtain <laughs> waiting for that. Oh to finish. my goodness! And then we had to go to see the the guru and the pope, their pope, and the whole thing. It was a big, long, uh, protracted thing. So, out of all these. Many years of travel and incredible situations. Do any others particularly stand out as exceptional? You know that the music has brought you to a place or an understanding. Well, I learned. I learned again the hard way and the slow way for me. Usually, is that the bardic tradition and Dennis knows plenty about this. Where the harpers, we talk about the harpers mm-hmm. of old, they would be the oldest existing tradition in Ireland going into the early uh, Middle Ages and further back. A thousand years, actually. Uh, yeah, in the Middle Ages. And at 1700s, it got revived, but the, the actual harping tradition goes back a thousand or more years. But they were third in line. There was the king, the knights, and the, and the bards, both the musicians and the poets. But w- when you get asked to play for a wedding or a funeral for the same family, I mean, to me, that's unbelievable. Because you're the soundtrack of that most poignant moment. And a wedding and a funeral to me are the same thing. How are they the same? Because their emotions are raw. And people are at the edge, the edge of their known emotion. They're right out there at the edge. And it's tested, like, you know, both in a funeral and a wedding. To me, they're the same thing. Is, but but the, is the music the same? or the No, it's different music, different? of course. But I'm just saying if you're elected... Uh, by a family to do Chosen those to two do events, that. that's yeah. that's an incredible honor. Even to this day, they don't even know it, but to me, it's it, that is the ultimate compliment. If you can be the soundtrack to someone's edge of their emotion, I mean, what? There's nothing better than that. I wouldn't even charge for something like that. Yeah, because the payback is there. You have it. That's it. There's nothing finer. Like that's somebody's life you're talking about, and you're in it. You know. 
Yeah, and does, you're in it forever because the oh, memories you're indelibly stay. marked yeah. in those, and that's yeah. just two incidences that yeah. I can think of, you know. And and everyone here and everyone listening will always remember those and then remember that moment, how they felt at the precise moment, that that that, that, that genesis, that pivotal time when somebody says something or something happens or whatever, or you meet someone or whatever. It's a, it's a kind of a unification, but it's also a, depart, a departing. But it's a demarcation, I would say. Yeah, and I know with people with Alzheimer's, um, even in the family, when you play a familiar oh, yeah. music, it can reach Absolutely. places that words It goes beyond the, the known world. Yeah. It goes it, beyond the known world. People can't understand it, but it works. somehow indelibly yeah. in your... But you have to learn these things, you know. But if you're the provider of that experience, I mean, there's no greater... There's no greater thing, like... Oh, that's... That's wonderful. You know. Well, so you also brought your guitar with yeah. you. Can we yeah. have a little <laughs> sure. lesson on that as well? <clears throat> well, the great writer from Ireland, his name is, uh, if I can remember it now, because I'm I'm this is my third week on the road, so memory gets a bit... Uh, anyway, I, I, I remember... You must get exhausted. I mean, you're staying different places almost every night. And oh, top-class treatment. Yeah, <laughs> five star, especially in Voorheesville. <laughs> well, I know you know Dennis, but you must be staying at a lot of strange places yeah, too. Yeah, Margaret and Dennis here are making this all work. So the this man, anyway, he was a great uh, uh, compiler of music and recording. Brown Don Brannock, Brendan Walsh, to so those not of the faith. Uh, he collected and he wrote extensively about Irish music and its genesis and where it's going, where it's come from and all that. But he said the guitar was the closest thing to the harp and for me it fits in the overhead. Ben, you see, <laughs> as a thing that other monstrosity. Yeah. You know, the insides of a piano, I call it. So with its different tuning there for all the people who play we can access uh, the mod. It's a modal. It's an arrangement of notes and scales that fits perfectly that tuning, and it's a kind of a resonant sound as distinct from the usual tuning. The blues guys use it in a different pitch. The dominant note in, in Irish music is D. Blues is probably G or E, but it's the same application of a resonant sound. You know. So you with a small bit of it, um, small little bit of imagination and participation from yourselves and the audience, you can uh, approximate a harp sound. And uh, the Baroque tradition, uh, are you familiar with that? It's a, it's basically a Middle Ages, late Middle Ages, and we have a lot of those recordings, or not recordings, well they were recorded on paper. So I'll just play one of those.
There you go. Ah. That's nearly as old as Methuselah's cat. That, that was one. just beautiful. Yeah, the, the harp music is the old music, and uh, they did record it, they scripted it, but of course they didn't have iPods or, you know, Zoom recorders back then. But it's the oldest music. In fact, one of the high kings of Ireland who went to school in Killarney, Brian Baru, County Killare man, he played the harp. And that's the harp we see in Trinity College, the symbol of Ireland. It's a smaller one with brass strings. But that guitar is as close as I can get to that or want to get to it. <laughs> well, it just left me wordless, which for me is very oh, good, unusual. Good, 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 good. But our time has just gone so fast. Do you have any fast. closing thoughts, anything that you wanted to touch on that we didn't get to or that just are the most important and that we've missed? Well, I'd like to thank Dennis and Margaret there for making things happen and yourself, Melissa and Rose, for doing the... <laughs> The front of stuff and uh, what you're doing is great. Well, giving a voice to the likes of us, and and we're moving along the road and keeping the real the wheel rolling. And that's you oil the wheels by this kind of activity. Well, that's important. Yes, indeed. And I hope the listeners uh, enjoy and come to Voriesville tonight (laughs) in the library, isn't it? And we're in Saratoga too in the inn on Sunday night. Oh, yeah. And where? Which inn? The Saratoga Inn, the Inn in Saratoga. The Inn in Saratoga. Yeah, that's on Sunday night. if I can find an address for this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, where else are we again? Saratoga Senior Centre and Charlottesville. Charlottesville and Pittsfield. If you go on the website, you'll get to... Tell us the website. It's a three W's, you know, the... Right, right. And then the dot. Right. Don't leave out the dot. <laughs> Don't leave out the dot. You should never leave out a punctuation. <laughs> Isn't that right, Dennis? And then my name, T-I-M-O-S-H-E-A. And then there's another A, A-N-D, so that's two A's. Right. Uh, friends, F-R-I-E-N-D-S dot com. So it's basically Tim O'Shea and Friends. Dot com. Right. And then we'll have a dancer, wonderful young dancer here from Latham. He's for, he's no lumbago or arthritis <laughs> and he can jump around. He could actually kick the light bulbs out if you let him, but we're not going <laughs> to let him do that. And then we have a fiddler from Dublin who lives in uh, in Malta, and he's joining us as well. So oh, my gosh. So you put together a whole ensemble a show, on the yeah. road. And oh. Dennis will uh, 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 come along and do some wonderful poems, too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. So well, there's a multimedia extravaganza. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Rose.